Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined remotely, I have Vance. Good evening. Good evening. Okay, that was sinister sounding. We got Todd. Hi, Todd. Was it? Spells on. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm doing fine. Perfect. Uh, we have Bryn Roach. Hi, Bryn. Hello. Hi. Let's, All right. let's get these plugs. Let, let, let's get through this, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to screw around no more. It's time to get serious. Uh, this mm-hmm. podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Musky Products. FatAZMusky.com is our website. Rod holders are still in stock. Slants are getting a little bit low, uh, but I still have them. I got down east. They're coming in uh, no problem. I was getting worried there for you know a couple weeks, but things seem to be uh, at least good on there as as this podcast is being recorded uh bait wise there's still some baits um available not very many um i have not updated the website i am i am just really behind there uh i apologize but other than that you can find some what's that did you panic by the uh downies it it gets so so we make no money anymore well okay here so what what can happen is, so we, we sell the rod holders with and without the down east, depending on whether you already have a down east salty holder, you don't need to then buy one unnecessarily. And it has come razor, like, thin close on have not having them. And, like, I'm like, oh, geez, here comes some, you know, rod holder orders. And I look, I'm like, oh, none of them have down east, so no big deal. And then usually, like the day that I get the down east, it's like okay, people start ordering them with the down east. So uh, I did, I did get a shipment today, uh, in plus I had you know a, a fair amount still left over, but it was still getting really, really close. Um, but get back to the baits real quick. Uh, Team Rhino Outdoors has should have. I mean, I shipped them a the big, big, big order you know, a couple months ago. So he should still have some baits and uh musky tackle online. Uh, I would assume still has some baits, but I think his stock is getting a little bit low because he reordered. So uh, we'll see about how that gets filled. But anyways, check them out. And Hey Todd, big day yeah. in a couple, uh, you know, two days, huh? Big day. We're all wrapped up here in Pennsylvania. We're at Muddy Creek fishing guides, MC fish and guides. Dot com. Check it out on the World Wide Web there. That's our website. Uh, Chautauqua opener Saturday. Uh, moving out of the house here and moving on up north t- uh, tomorrow morning. To the so, east side. Moving on up to the east side, yeah. The, yeah. So, Vance and I will be up there all summer into the fall. So, you got any time you know when you're going to be up there, get a hold of us. We still got some open days, not a lot, but you know, each month there's a day here and they're floating around getting a cancellation here and there. So, uh, get a hold of us. If you know when you're coming up, we're going to do our best to get out there and get you on some fish. We got some evening trips we can do here in the summer months, you know, like four to four thirty, five o'clock till nine, nine thirty, something like that. Got to get you out there for four to five hours. And, uh, sometimes those are some really nice productive trips in the summer. So you want to fish? Get a hold of us. We're ready to go. One more day. One more day. Yeah, that's the song. You guys are lucky. You guys opened before us. <laughs> yes, we're never used to. Open next week. We never used to though, it, yeah. and and there's some controversy there. Uh, they were. Uh, it used to always be the third 
weekend in June. I mean, this was like five, six years ago or something like that. But then it ended up being the Saturday prior to Memorial Day, which is still honored this year. However, next year, it is June 1st. Hard. Not a weekend. It doesn't matter what day it is. It's going to be June 1st, which is actually a Thursday. Um, which is weird to me, but... I kind of um, like it. I don't like it. I, I just like that. I, I like the, the weekend. It's the opener. You know, I, I feel like all the opening seasons happen on a weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, New like... In like Pennsylvania, they do that for for like hunting and stuff like that. But it's also just kind of like, hey, uh, what? When does this start? Oh, it starts May one. It starts October one. It starts June one. There's no guesswork. Yeah, that, okay. Yeah, I understand that. But all the on all the Ontario regs are like first Saturday of June, third Saturday of June. It's always a Saturday, and it's yeah. like either one, two, three, four, whatever. Yeah, so we'll see where it goes. But uh, come up and fish with us, like Todd said. Uh, fish out of Ranger Boats. We both got new ones this year. Um, shout out to Ranger Boats. Shout out to Vic Sports Center for hooking us up with them. Get a hold of them for service. Uh, and Ranger Boats. Um, St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. We give those a fair shake every year. Use them, abuse them. Um, and... Looking forward to the season. It was preseason in PA. Now it's a regular season. We'll see how we do. So does this preseason not count like, you know, football? It counts. No one's injured. We're healthy. We're ready to go. Well, Todd got got whooped on. I got a bit injured, but I'm good. I'm all healed up. Very good. All right, and something else that those two guys are going to be looking forward to, and possibly me once or twice, is fishing on our Aqua Traction Marine flooring. If you haven't heard me talk about this stuff, perhaps you should look it up. It's 100% cross-linked, closed-cell polyethylene foam. Foam, that's right. It's nice and It has a nice little give to it, but it's pretty firm. It's very stylish, you know, a lot of different... Uh, options you have with with your you know your floor that they're making for you they measure your boat to get this product in it so um it's so much nicer than carpet it, it just from the standpoint that it's stain resistant there's no shrinking no peeling um it dries really easy it's it, it's non-slip super easy to clean and you have a whole bunch of styles you can pick from different colors patterns, all this stuff. Check out Aqua Traction on Instagram. They got some really cool photos on it. Like Vance and I talked on the last podcast about, you know, they have like tunas and stuff like that dying. And, but you know, we're not really taking that with the muskies, but, um, if you're in our area, please look up AMF Marine, uh, amfmarine.com is their website. Uh, Nick at amfmarine.com is the email. Um, that is the local distributor here in our, our, our area and, um, check it out. And if I'm pretty sure, you know, if you start weighing the pros and cons, this is, this would be a legitimate option. Uh, if you plan on keeping your boat and you like to upgrade things. So, uh, big thanks to Aqua Traction. All right, Bryn. Let's let's hear your yes, little sir. spiel. 
just a plug. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm Bryn Roach, and I represent uh, BR Bakes. Uh, started as a garage enterprise, and still is very much a garage enterprise of um, making custom lures for serious musky fishermen. Um, I started making them for myself, and it evolved into uh, making them for others, and then making them for people who were very serious to the point where guides were interested, and lots of people who um, were pursuing them. Right up until ice, um, we're wanting these lures, and uh, and it's just ballooned into what it is now. Seven years from when I started, so pretty exciting to talk muskies tonight with uh, you gentlemen, and uh, really looking forward to answering any questions and sort of getting some information out to the audience as to uh, why my baits are successful and sought after. Uh, where can they uh, can they find you on social media? Oh, that's a great question. Yes, uh, I'm on Facebook. I have a page, BR Bates, um, and I also have an Instagram account called BR Bates. So both places, capital B, capital R, Bates, all one word. Uh, just take a look. Send me a message. Uh, this is fishing season, so let's keep in mind that I like to fish first. Um, so at this point, it's a tough, tough time to get some orders put together and requests filled, but um, I'm always happy to chat, and so you can send me a message, and I'll be sure to respond. Okay, and um, let's just say I, 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 I reach out to you and say, I really like your stuff. Uh, how do I order? What, what's, what, how do you kind of do that? I have a conversation with everyone um, who's interested because I want to make sure that they know what my baits can offer. So. I make a number of different styles from really big minnow baits, 14-inch, 12-inch, 10-inch minnow baits, to deep diving baits called super tankers um, that get down. And, you know, a lot of the Canadian anglers who like to fish deeper areas like Georgia Bay and Nipissing, that kind of thing, would be interested in those kind of baits. Um, so I sort of give you uh, some details as to what all the baits are, uh, maybe a dive curve that's going to be – representative of the areas they fish and, and areas that fish water, the fish depths that they would target. So the baits can be basically custom ordered so that they fit the pattern of the fishermen. And I will walk you through that. And so basically I always have a conversation to make sure that the products that the person is going to order from me will be exactly what they want. Wow. That's a very, that's awesome. like that a personal like... ordering experience. Yeah, that sounds like how we are with rod holders. Yeah. 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 Well, because guys wanted that product, right, to match exactly mm-hmm. their fishing style. And I know my boat's set up, and I'm <laughs> from the sounds of your boats, gentlemen, that uh, your boat's set up exactly and fine tuned how you want to run it six months a year. And that's exactly how I want my baits to run. I want to know their depth, I want to know line out, what it is. And I want to know if they're going to be able to handle the abuse that musky fishing is. Excellent. Wow. Amazing. All right. We're going to talk more about the baits here a little bit later. So what I typically like to hear is um, we kind of know where you're at now. How did you get here? Like get, give us some history or, you know, tell us your story up to, up to the start of bait making. Yeah, I can get sure. into fishing. Um, you know, when I was when I was a little kid, 
you know, everybody has this story when they're a little kid. You know, I had a cottage up north. It was four and a half hours from the house. Couldn't get me out of the water. Always in a canoe, paddling, casting, turning over rocks, looking for bait. So I was just interested in the water and interested in fishing. And that's kind of how it all started. And then, uh, then I grew up. And I got to the point where I was in my 20s and I was at university. And fishing wasn't a priority. I didn't have money for a boat. We sold our cottage and uh, <clears throat> kind of moved on. And then I got to be about 30. And, uh, and in my 30th year, I went fishing with some friends up in northern Ontario. We rented a boat and we, we caught a muskie. And so that's 17 years ago because I'm 47 now. And we caught a muskie uh, just using regular pike stuff. So small bucktails, single-bladed bucktails. Um, a Rapala, we called it uh, the Joe Rowe Fire Tiger pattern because the guy that we were fishing with, his name is Joe Rotella, and uh, and he caught the biggest muskie we'd ever seen. It was about 40 inches on this Rapala, and so of course we all went out and bought them, and then we just trolled around with these, and they weren't even that big. They might have been like the J13s, like they were small Rapalas. I was going to ask, but was it course, like the Super Shad or was it the just yeah, not like, even the super was, shad, just the yeah. tiny ones. Like <laughs> they literally would have been, you know, 13 centimeters would be the metric. So um, maybe five inches, four inches, the skinny ones with the smaller yeah. hooks. Yeah. It's a walleye lure. <laughs> Typically walleye, yeah, or, or a pike lure. Yeah, for sure. And that's what we did. We just threw them out the back and, uh, and just rolled around. And uh, on that same lake, two years later, we went up and I was using a small spinner and I got my biggest muskie and it was a 46 inch muskie and we couldn't believe it. You know, it was just like, oh my God, unbelievable fish story, brought it back. We didn't bring it back. No, we let it go, of course, um, but brought the story back and all the photos we had taken to the campsite and you know we just we're in our glory that we got this one so that's how it all started once once i had that um i was i was into it pretty good and then then i met my buddy noah clark because i live really close to him so he's clarky bates and uh anyway he lives really close to me and i'm neighbors to his parents so he came over we went fishing together and he was a serious he was the first serious muskie angler i ever met and he had, at that point, he had a fish finder with GPS, and he had um, salties on his boat. And, you know, I'd never seen anything like that, any gear like that. And so this is going back about 13 years. And I said, oh, yeah, I got to go fish with this guy. So we became really good friends and fishing partners. And then, then the addiction really set in. <laughs> now I think I have a 1,000 lures downstairs. I have a boat exclusively to me he has a boat exclusively to him it's rigged to the nines and uh i think his biggest fish now is about 54 inches and my biggest fish i got two last year that were my pbs at 52 and a quarter so it was uh it was a heck of a year last year i got three fish over 50 inches one of them was on my bait um right at the start of the year which felt awesome and uh and then two others. One was in the heat of the summer after a really tough casting day. And the next one um, 
was in October on the St. Lawrence River um, in, in a crazy weather storm. So, you know, I love muskie fishing, and, and it drives me to, to make these baits and stay up late and talk about fishing with guys like yourselves and, and like your audience and anybody who else, else who would listen to this podcast because we are the, a lot of us are the diehards that want to know the ins and outs of everything related to this fish. And so that's the pursuit um, that, I, that I wake up every day thinking about, and uh, that's my inspiration for making baits. Great, great story. Great. You did that. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. It sounds like it sounds like um, you fished and did that that basic timeline that that everybody goes through. You you, you have this uh, installment of fishing via the family. You go away. You do your things in your adolescence. You go to college, whatever. And then all of a sudden, once that is passed by, it's, it's brought back somehow. And from, from your timeline, it sounded like you got like heavily interested in it when you went out when you were about 30. And, yes. and you, you catch this, this muskie on, or, or Joe catches this muskie on a J13. Um, Rapala lore. Were you eat, were were you yeah. target were you targeting muskies or were you targeting pike at that time? You know the lake that we fished out of <clears throat> is in Havelock, Ontario, and it was around. It's called Round Lake. Oh my and, yeah. uh, and it only it only has muskies. Um, it has walleye, it has bass, but it only it does not have a single pike in the lake that I've ever seen. And uh, you know there aren't there aren't very big ones like. I'm telling you that the biggest one I've ever seen out of there was that 46 inch muskie. Um, and you know, like it's a smaller lake, so, uh, they're skinnier. They're not, you know, massive girthy ones. They're, they're smaller, but yeah, when we went up there, we were targeting muskie with those lures. Mind you, let's be honest. We were targeting anything that would bite because we were just excited to be fishing, you know, and that's, that's really, what fishing is to me, you know, getting out on the water, taking it all in, enjoying the experience of the outdoors. And then if you get a fish, great. You know, obviously it's changed now because now I'm chasing, but I still enjoy that boat ride and that moment and all of the anticipation to that trip um, until that fish hits. And then, you know, then it's like fireworks. It's like hitting the jackpot at the casino. No doubt. It sounds like Todd, do you are you familiar with Round Lake? Yes, Round Round Crow Belmont. Uh, yes, exactly. Well done. Like, yes, have you fished there? Yeah. Yep. That was a place that I went there a long time ago. We showed up with the big Wileys and we went out there and started trolling. And we had uh, uh, my buddy and I got thirteen first day, and we were like, I don't think anyone's ever done this speed trolling. This lake because it was insane. I remember that story. I remember that story. Yeah, the biggest one was like forty-one. There were a lot of smaller fish in there. We fished there for four days, Uh, but I had a lot of fun there. But those Canadian, oh yeah, there's there's opportunity up there for somebody that's crossing the border and is not in Canada, like where you find these lakes. 
And you're just like, okay, there's muskies in here. We're going to go try it out. Gravel launch. Uh, yeah. Place. There was one lot place there that we got a cabin on. Uh, I, I, that's the only one I knew of. And I mean, there's not more than a handful of cottages on the lake. Even it's uh, not that it's out in the middle of nowhere, but there's there's not a lot. There was not many boats on the lake. I pulled like the only other boat on the lake was skiing, and they broke down, and we were towing them in. And uh, I think I've told that story. <laughs> Hopefully. That. Hopefully trolling at the same time. Yeah, I th- we were trolling them right down this weed line where we've been catching the fish. I threw a lure out, let it out to the front of the boat, clicked it over, rod went off, let go of the rope, and went back to get them. And they were like, we've lived here our whole life. We've never seen anything like that. You know, it was, a, it was our 10th one of the day. It was a 36-incher. A little later, that boat got there, and they're all throwing lures. And it's just funny. <laughs> Oh, isn't yep. that the truth, though? There's a lot of cottagers up there that have no idea what's in those things. They don't fish them. They <laughs> like, creationally use them. I was like, well, we saw 10 already today. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> They're great. How long ago you know, was that, Todd? It's interesting that you said, oh, it was about 90. Uh, I had my... I, I, yeah. 90 I years. 90. 90. 90. 90. <laughs> 1994, 1995. Those are the, those are the best, those are the best times. Yeah, I'm sorry, Brent, I I cut you off on that. Yeah. Oh no, I was just going to say it's interesting that you said Wiley's because uh, that was the first body bait that I bought um, when I got serious. I went on to uh, there was a website, JacksonLures.com. Yeah, yep, yep. I bought Wiley's from there. That I went on and bought. Bought some Wileys. I couldn't get them anywhere else. I bought a bunch of head shakers and, uh, and some deep runners because um, I, I also fish Scugog, and you know there's a deeper area in there. Like the lake's really shallow, but there's a couple deeper areas, and that's what we uh, what we did in that in that basin was we ran Wileys, and we had some success for sure. And we had epic days, just like you said, like 10, 12 fish. Yeah. <laughs> God, I miss Canada. And in those, not, those little the, holes. They're crazy waters that I don't think those fish see much through musky fishing pressure, you know. Uh, it shows. So it, it's changing up here, though. It is changing. Oh, it, there is pressure coming. You know, social media has really affected it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the uh, Pennsylvania Lakes work fishing that are getting stocked so heavily. Um, people are that they receive a lot of pressure. Um, but yeah, those places like what you're, you're speaking of and Todd just launching there and, and you going there and uh, using J 11s and or J 13s and stuff like that. It's, it's hard to, uh, to do that nowadays because of what social media is. Um, but that was such a nice run down memory lane and, 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 uh, and think, thinking about that, because that's like what Canada is for me. Uh, you oh, you yeah. drop on and start fast yeah, and see what yeah. happens. And it's, it, you, it, you is know, a, it is a magical place for sure, honestly, in terms of like the opportunities in this. Like I live obviously 30 minutes from Buffalo in on the Canadian side. And so um, pretty close. But, you know, within three, four hour drive, you're in a lot of great 
Oh, yeah. you know, not to mention, don't even have to leave because there's Lake Erie, Niagara River. You know, if you want to put the time in and commit to some of those spots, like there's giants in those systems. Now, do you see, just, you know, just, just something you mentioned there, like the pressures coming. I mean, when I look back 30, 40, 30, 35 years ago when we were doing this, I, this is the honest truth. Never did you ever see a Canadian boat that was musky fishing. You know, if, if someone was musky fishing, even on some lake up in Canada, you usually knew who it was or at least knew something about them. You know, they were one of those crew from Ohio or somebody knew. Uh, but I've definitely seen the change that I, there is a lot more Canadian boats. Do you see like musky fishing pressure most of the time when you're out on these bodies of water from Canadian anglers? Yeah, oh, for sure now. Yeah, especially uh, notable musky waters. You know, muskies are, are resident fish in those areas. Yeah. Um, and there is musky boats fishing them. But if you go to, um, you know, Georgian Bay is a pretty magical place. It's a massive body of water, but there's a lot of inlet lakes and coves and different areas um, that – you don't see very many committed anglers because they're intimidated. But if you yeah. go into these smaller lakes, like the Crow Belmont round that you're referring uh-huh. to, um, you know, you're going to find some anglers that are targeting them because, because they can, right? Like they're not intimidated by that body of water. It's safe. Um, so they can go in and do a day trip pretty easily. But, yeah. uh, <clears throat> you know, like the St. Clair's obviously like they're targeting you go up there and boom, there's going to be a million boats, especially in the fall. Yeah. Neat. So was it just retracing 30 years of age, you hit round Lake. Mm-hmm. Is that your first musky experience? That is, that's probably my first musky experience. I'm not sure exactly if I was 30 or 31 or 29, yeah. um, but it was, uh, I was with my brother-in-law and him and a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of like a group of guys, right? I was just part of the group of guys, and we all went out, and it's just a three-day banger of a weekend where we're going out <laughs> to have some fun and we'll catch some fish, and and then we, uh, and then boom, we all we're all obviously going to fish, but you know we have spinning gear. We literally have like heavier mm-hmm. pike gear. We don't have any musky gear. We have like spinning rods. Um, and Field twenty pound monitor. heavier. Yep, you, I think we actually had braid at the time, but it wasn't heavy braid. It was like twenty five, maybe thirty. Like wasn't fifty. So <laughs> yeah, we weren't we weren't really prepared for that, but we had the heavier gear that we thought was heavier. And then of course we get a few, and you know, a couple guys get broken off, and they're they're also multi species angling, so like. You know, if the muskie or whatever, if they can't catch muskies, they're at night, they're all pickle jigging and giving up at dusk when it's like the magical time to maybe catch a, a muskie topwater or something. They're already committed to walleye. So that was my experience, but it was an introduction to the fishery. And then, and then, like I said, once I uh, met my buddy Noah and uh, we went out a few times, we got 40 inch fish pretty regularly and we were speed trolling. And then uh, <clears throat> next thing I knew, I was like stocking up with all these fast trolling lures, and I was looking at getting some nicer body baits, and I got into the Wileys, and then 
you know, as my pocketbook kind of got emptied quickly, I was like, geez, <laughs> how am I going to keep going at this? And then that's when we decided in the off season, we'd make a few baits. So that's what we did. And then we brought them uh, to the Ottawa river and we, uh, I had a box of lures and he had a box of lures and we were having a competition. One, one out to one side, the other at the other side, we made fun of each other for the whole week. But, you know, I think I got more than him at the end of the week. But so, you know, it was like just a, all of a sudden we, we believed in them. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a great group of guys uh, that, that you're fishing with. What, when, when did you flip the switch where you were like, muskies, I want to catch, I want to catch a lot of muskies. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it took a little bit of time. You know, I, I got my own boat. So about two and a half. So I'm a full-time teacher. That's what I do. And uh, I don't sleep very much because I often am in the shop <laughs> making baits or communicating with guys. Um, so I work, my day job is teaching. So when I became a teacher at 30, I also then had time. So my summers, so I'd have July and August, right? Plus I'd get my weekends and couple of my friends are also have a similar schedule. So that once I had time and some means, that's when I started to say, I got to get serious. And that's when I bought a boat when I knew I could use it. So once I bought a boat, I was about, it was about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And, uh, I rigged it with salties, the clamp on ones on the side of the boat. And then I started to stroll and I live in Port Colburn. And so I can get out, right on Lake Erie, I'm about 800 meters from the launch. So I control the shoreline and catch some pickerel. And every once in a while, you know, I'll catch, I'll go out and speed troll some shoals around here. And I got a pretty couple pretty good muskies. And then that's, once I knew I could catch them in my backyard and the Niagara River's down the way. And I got, like you said, a few guys that like to commit the time and possibly like understand the process of muskie fishing because when you go out for a whole day and you come back with nothing and you're still happy, that's a musky fisherman. And when you find those ones, <laughs> they're good friends, right? So, you know, right. once I found a couple guys to do that with, then I knew it was going to be bad for us because we were going to spend too much time on the boat. For sure. Yeah. That's, uh, that's hard to do. Find, finding, well, uh, People to even show up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> On time. <laughs> right? It's like, hey, I do oh, this yeah. really cool thing. I fish. And then they spend the entire day sun up to sundown and, and nothing nothing to show for it. <laughs> and those people yeah. that keep keep coming back, those are real ones. That's who you want to keep in those the Those are the keepers. Yep. <laughs> we shifted now, you know, was that was the evolution was let's go and, and sort of you know, get our fix, you know, let's go get some drag grips and then we'll be satisfied for another week and we'll go get some more drag grips. And now we've shifted to let's go get the one. Mm-hmm. Let's not worry about the drag grips. Let's go really go to the biggest water we can find. Um, hairiest conditions. It doesn't matter. We're going. And that's sort of what happened last year. You know, two of the biggest fish we got last year were the conditions were awful to fish in, but we're just, so committed 
to musky fishing at this point that we're going out. You know, we, it was still safe and we were prepared. You know, you can't obviously go out unprepared or ill-advised, but um, at the end of the day, we were rewarded with a couple of big fish and, uh, and, and the same crew was with me, right? My buddies were fishing, we're all fishing together and we're all like-minded people where at this point we'll take five giant fish um, for all the effort over 50 smaller fish. Right on. Now, typically when you go fishing, is it just like you're you're going to a destination and you're going to spend, you know, multiple days there in a row or are you you doing a bunch of short little little trips? We usually we do what we can do. We always spend we we do about four multi-day trips a year. We always have a week in Ottawa. Um, that's just our that's just our dice trip that we'd love to do. We've done it now for almost eight years. Um, we always have success, <laughs> and and sometimes the muskies really cooperate, and you know we catch twenty or thirty in a boat as a boat. Um, and sometimes you know they're not as uh, cooperative, and we get you know half that. But uh, usually we get a pretty good one in that in that bunch, and then we do. Um, three or four more three days or so trips. And then we, then we try and run away for days. So we get one day, one day trip. And that means like leave at four in the morning, drive four hours, fish 10 hours, drive four hours back. And we're home at like one in the morning. So it's like a 20, 20 hour day, a 21 hour day. Yeah. But we all have, we all have kids and families. And so, you know, as a muskie fisherman, you just can't, you know, you just can't go for four hours or three hours. It just doesn't work for me personally. Like I'm going for a day of muskie fishing. I want to go for the whole, I want to maximize all of the time when I go and come back feeling like I really put in the effort. Yeah. I I mean, I, I get that. I mean, uh, all three of us here have at some various stage young children and, um, yeah, ap- absolutely. I mean, I can see what you're saying, uh, with, with that. Yeah. But when that's your trying, fish, they're trying to fit it all together. Fish. Yeah. But like, you, like if you're doing a 21 hour day, you're, you're prepping for that. This is your time to go. <laughs> I'm too. You got it. I'm doing this, you know? Nice. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? For that for that reason, I, I don't do the ice fishing in the winter. I don't do, you know, because I got to commit to my family and to other aspects. And so I just say to my wife, listen, I'll just, I'm just a musky fisherman, right? And that's going to work for me as a, as a family man and, and someone who's going to also be available for my kids, right? My kids are in travel sports and they're busy. So, um, you know, I just get pulled in lots of directions, but I still need to sort of keep my identity as a, as a musky fisherman, bait builder, you know, part of that fishing community. It's important to me. Have you, uh, <clears throat> have you noticed like, like you brought up the travel sports and stuff like that as, as your life gets busier with the children, 
uh, that you lean more on the bait building to kind of get your uh, your your musky fix. You know, that's a great that's a great question. Um, I do, I I do. I'm involved with musky fishing and the, the idea of chatting about muskies or communicating with people who are musky fanatics every day. Um, and so it's, it's like a subculture of, of my, my business, right? Because it's like this byproduct. It's really a favorable experience. I don't, I don't have too many unfavorable experiences dealing with any past customers or, you know, musky fishermen that I've met. And so everything about it is positive. And uh, you're right. It does get me through those long months uh, of of musky denial. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure we all kind of have that. Like, like we need that fix every once. So even if it's just to go hang out with your buddy and talk musky fishing for too long and, and drink too many beers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, the reason I asked that was because that's kind of like where I'm where I'm kind of falling in it. That uh, as as my personal free time starts to shrink it it, it kind of like what fills that void of of that is uh boat setups and playing with baits and trying something new and this and that and all all that and i was the, what's that the the bait maker and the company lives vicariously through the fishermen that use them i get the assist points yes yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, like you love to hear the stories. And and I think that's what's made me a better fisherman, to be honest. You know, I've never caught so many big fish in the last five years. Um, but every year I catch more bigger fish. Um, and I and I I don't think that it's just that just good luck. You know, there's there's a lot of discussion that I have with people who fish at certain times, um, what they use, how, what speed they're trolling at, what the water, wind, patterns, bait um, is like. And then I go out there and I think about all those things when I'm on my boat um, and, and we're just more effective because we have that knowledge. And so, you know, like, like I was going back to uh, building baits, when you build baits and guys give you all of those intricate details of their experiences on a boat. When someone calls me up and says, Hey, what boat, what bait do you think is going to work for me? I ask them, where are you fishing? Um, when do you like to fish? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then I kind of hammer down the details. And then I think those baits are going to work for you. This is the one I know three guys that caught fish on this trolling, this similar style, um, paint pattern, color, weight, whatever, um, I think that this is going to work for you. And boom, I set them up. Now, once again, as a bait builder, I'm never going to tell people who's telling me that information. I'm never going to give away spots. That's, that's important for me too, right? I want my customers not to be pressured when, you know, if someone else, I don't want them to know the body of water that guys are fishing on so that they don't go out there and just trample their spots after they disclose that stuff to me. But at the same time, it helps me provide tools for those fishermen that need a starting point. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So getting back to your baits, your first baits, that first run, what did, what, 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 
type of wood you use? Did you do the painting? How did how that how that all start out? Yeah, why why did you say like, okay, I'm gonna make my own base? <laughs> uh, well, we'd had a few beers, and we decided nice. that you know what we're gonna do, we're gonna make our own base, and we weren't running power tools yet. It was just an idea. <laughs> just to be just so you know that we weren't drinking and running power tools but uh yeah and and like i said my buddy noah and i you know he's pretty handy i'm pretty handy and we just were like we should just do this let's just make some for us and honestly we, i never thought we'd sell anything and he neither did he we weren't going to sell or move baits we're they were just going to be for personal use and so um the first bait i made was like a like a tough shot like it was out of mahogany um, very similar to that style, and I painted it perch. Why perch? Because you need a perch bait. Everybody needs perch baits, right? Yes, so, absolutely. Um, painted it perch, right? Orange belly, perch. Um, didn't know what I was doing. First time I'd ever used an air, airbrush, and, uh, and I put it in the water, and it wiggled, and I thought, oh, that's good. But I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't really, so, you know, because I... I'm a really artsy guy. I like to uh, like to paint. I like to be pretty artistic. So I just hung it up, called it BR number one, and put it on the wall. And then uh, I started to cut out some different styles. And uh, the first baits I ever made were um, my mini hitchhiker, which is a seven-inch bait, and uh, and my hitchhiker. And I called them that because when I put them in, I noticed that they would not track perfectly right they would move a bit so then i was like oh i'm gonna call it a hitchhiker because it's wandering around until it picks up a ride that was my idea it's walking of the name hitchhiker it it doesn't really walk um it just kind of it i wouldn't say it jumped but like these are my first ones i ever put in the water right it yeah. walked a bit you know it would wiggle a couple turns over and then find center and go back um but then i would build another one because I wasn't consistent with my build at this point, and it didn't quite do that. So, but it still had, it didn't track perfectly. It didn't track in the middle and wiggle uh, like I thought it might. So because it jumped around a bit, that's why I called it the hitchhiker. The name just stuck now, but the tracking of it is a little different. It runs pretty centered. Um, it doesn't walk side to side. Now, did it's, you good, have it's really good in a tight spread. Did, did you grab uh, Lexan lips, metal lips? Yep, I started with Lexan because that's all I had. And yep. uh, I had some aluminum when I when I decided to make some aluminum lips, but I was mm -hmm. mechanically cutting them out, right, with a jigsaw. Yep. So, you know, I would lose a blade every, I don't know, eight lips. Yeah. So that, you know, that was just because I was experimenting on the lip size and the lip angle and the weighting. Right. And then uh, once I kind of got a feel for it um, a couple of years ago, uh, I had had a guy machine some lips for me. And then and now almost all of my aluminum, well, all of my aluminum lips are machined now. There's there's no way I was going to cut them out. But that's, uh, say that that's very smart. Sizes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be cutting um, out. Your I, I would love to have the CNC. I would love to have the body CNC'd as well, just to cut down on time and whatnot. But um, maybe we'll get there one day. Mm -hmm. 
But I started with the smaller sizes. So the seven inch was the mini hitchhiker, the eight inch is the hitchhiker, and then I was making a super tanker. And the super tanker was a very popular style and size with the deep lip. I never made a shallow lip, I only had the deep ones going. So at that point, it was 2017 maybe, and uh, and a guy by the name of Joe Flo, uh, he's a he's a guy up in Quebec, Ontario. Buys a lot of baits that are North American made. Anyway, he bought some stuff for me. He's like, oh, I love these the things. I want. Can you make me a dozen? Make me another dozen. Make me another dozen. So on and so forth. So he was my first big customer, and I thought, oh, this is awesome. You know that that somebody wants these things and. I brought a bunch to a Muskie Odyssey that was here in town. And uh, anyway, they sold out. So I was like, oh, that's amazing. And a week, no, not sorry, not a week. Um, at opener, there was an opening event for a Muskie's Canada chapter. And uh, I get the first, the first pictures I get from other people come in. And uh, this guy has this epic day and he wins the tournament on my bait. And he catches four muskies and he outfishes everybody um, that's in his boat. And he has one of my lures and it's a deep super tanker. So right then and there, I was feeling amazing. And just like you said, Vance, um, I got that phone call, got those photos and totally relived the moment, even though I was never there <laughs> as a fisherman. Yeah. Was, was this your aha moment? Like, that was it. Okay. That was it because then I was like, well, then all of a sudden I was getting nonstop messages. Right. Because everybody because wanted the hot he, bait. Yes. That's right. He posted everybody that was at the tournament that weekend. You know, they were all musky fishermen. There was like 10 boats there, 30 guys. They this were telling their friends. Yeah, this is completely relatable for Todd and I when we make new baits and Andy does nothing. 100%. I just, I just collect the glory. That's all I am. <laughs> all the phone calls. And I... Oh my gosh. Yes. The phone this calls. Is great. And all those Raptor, all those fish pictures with Raptors buried in their faces. Andy's loving it. Yeah. But the, the, so this is your aha moment. It's, it's about, 2017. Yes. Yeah. This is is like where you're like, oh, like I'm on to something here. Continue with that. This is, this is an incredible story. Uh, And like just the feeling of that, like, holy crap. Yeah. These, these are working. So this is June, right? This is like musky season is just starting. I haven't even, we, we, that was like the first opening weekend on the French river. And so on absolutely ecstatic that I got these pictures and then uh and it was in a pattern that I call lucky charm perch and uh it's just a got a gold base iridescent green scaling um but it's it's a little different than than most other baits and I've got some things on there painted I've got like an orange throat and an orange tail horseshoes and blue moons all of a sudden pardon me horseshoes and blue moons that's a lucky charms joke <laughs> okay, yeah. They all taste the same. No, they don't. The marshmallows. It's when the milk turns blue is when it's so, good. <laughs> no. 
I'm sorry. Well, anyway, Keep going. yeah, like that. that, that that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you guys interrupt me. No problem, man. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't mind at all. We can jump around. <laughs> and I don't want to drag it out too much, but I'll just say that in 2017, um, yeah, like there's a lot of momentum. There's some guys, a bunch of guys, a whole big group in Manitoba that were interested. Um, and so they sort of got that Northwestern Ontario um, pulse happening for me out there. And, and then in 2018, I sold to a guy and he went out on the St. Lawrence river and he was fishing that same bait. Um, not, not the same guy, different guy, but he was fishing that same bait, deep super tanker and lucky charm perch. And he messages me and he goes, Oh my God, I lost the biggest fish ever. And I said, you know, and that's just, you know, it's just a fish story at this point. But he said, I had it both sides. It, it bent the seven out hook open and I couldn't net it. But it was, I'm telling you, the big. And then he said, I go, cool, keep fishing, you know, stay positive. I'm sure you'll get another one. And then he sends me a pick of a 50 inch fish 45 minutes later. And I go, oh, that's awesome. You got it. And he goes, no, this fish was nothing compared to the one I lost. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my goodness. So, you know, it was just, you know, a few of those fish stories um, really got me Jones. And then, and then I decided I, I needed to make. When you're on the, but when you're on that, but when you're on that side of people giving you play by play, when you get that, like, Oh my God, I just lost the biggest fish. We get that a lot as guides, Todd and I, and it, it it goes over over our heads now at points but when you're onto something and making something and you're just like oh my god like what would have happened if you, that, that fish was landed you know like i want to see oh. that fish now just as much as the angler does oh do i ever you know like when i i got a picture you know uh, a few years back of I was only selling my baits with uh, double split rings and I get a picture of a, from a guy he's like oh my god lost a massive fish and the split ring is like straight it's like wide open and I'm like oh no right same sort of thing you know just heartbreak city now I only make now I only send out triple splits right all those things but I'm sure you know and let me ask you this like you're asking me questions about bait building but as a guide you know, when you know that you've got repeat clients coming with you, there is pressure, right? There is pressure to make sure that you, they have the same experience they had the year before. Um, don't you feel, do you feel that pressure or do you just say, Hey, it's fishing. I, I'm a guide. I'm going to do my best, but it is fishing every day. Or, you know, you want to give that person a better experience than that, than that last them. And Todd can attest to that too. We treat it as a tournament. Yeah, I know, right? And it's and it's intense. And when guys order from me for the second, third, fourth time, I want to make sure that product produces like the last one, or at least I know the quality is there that they're going to be able to put it through the the abuse that it is expected to be in, and and be able to handle it, and then some. No doubt. So you get this 
quickly after there's like there's like a bite window and you're just you're just at your house here and this guy misses a giant fish you get this you get this 50 picture and you're like oh my god this is great then you were talking about a shallow bait what 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 happens in your mind what's going on at that point well you know at this point you know like because it was a that was a fall fish and a fall story and uh I started to think about, well, because now I've befriended a, a number of fishermen who are fishing like what bodies of water that I don't know much about. You know, guys are fishing Mill Lac, guys are fishing in Minnesota, Bimengi, um guys are fishing in late November, near December in, in St. Clair. And some, some people are coming from all over the area to fish St. Clair because everywhere else is iced up, you know, guides who have been guiding, but now they're closed their guiding season. And so they've talked to me about some shallower baits. So I've asked what, what they like to run, what, you know, what depth they want. And, uh, so I started to play with a minnow bait and, uh, and I built like, you know, like obviously grandmas and Jake's and all these other but I only have so many materials and I'm just doing it in my shop. So I want something a little different. So I build a minnow bait. Um, that's 12 inches to start. I feel like that's a pretty good size minnow bait. And, uh, and I build a 14 cause the guy asked me to build a 14. Actually this guy in St. Clair, I fished with him and, uh, he runs musky magnet charters. Great guy. His name's Joe Rennie. <clears throat> anyway, he messaged me. He's like, if you're making any minnow baits, I need three of them and I need 14 inch minnow baits. Okay. So I make them and he's like, you got to have them done in a week because <laughs> it's November and he's on vacation. My God. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? For this guy, I'm doing it because I know him. I like him. Um, so, and I'm not, I'm not as busy as I am these days. So I can do that. Right. And besides, there's no, there's no BR Mino bait out there yet. It's just, it's a prototype. So I make these three Mino baits for him. And I send him out to him and he gets them and they're, they're not tacky when they leave, but, you know, it gives them an extra day just to make sure that the epoxy's hardened up. He gets them in the water and he sends me a pick the next day. Got this. Sends me another pick. Got this. Sends me another pick. Oh, my God. And then, you know, once again, it explodes. Right. And now they're one of my most popular baits out there. And, you know, Kevin Cochran sent me a bunch of pictures. Um, ben Beatty up on Eagle Lake. Uh, caught a giant last year, 53 in the late, late season on, on the minnow bait that I sent him. And so, um, not to, not to toot my own horn by any stretch. I don't want to sound like my baits are the, are the best thing ever. It wiggles, it's in the water, it's in the strike zone. But, you know, I make sure that guys, if they want a certain bait style, that I get it to them and it does what it's supposed to do. Otherwise, I guarantee it, right? They're going to call me up and they're going to say, this isn't doing what it's supposed to do. And then I take care of them. But uh, yeah, the minnow bait evolved from the other styles. And then uh, lastly, um, we're into joining baits now. And I don't make very many because I just very time consuming, but that's kind of, let me, let me, let me interrupt you here. Why are minnow baits the biggest baits when a minnow, if you think of a minnow, is something you buy at a bait store, live bait that is like an inch long. But now when you say musky minnow baits, they're the like most giant lures of everybody's arsenal. <laughs> That's a great question. You know, to be honest, when I came up with that name, 
I just said, I'm just going to call it the minnow. And, and now I just call it like, like it means for me, it should it, literally, it should mean just like you said, like an inch or two, like something you're going to ice fish with. And it's like a giant flat sided, um, school bus looking bait. Yeah. Hilarious. Like it's just a big, yeah, it doesn't... it's a big wobbling action and it's just so seductive, you know, at slow speeds, like mm-hmm. 2.8, 3.2, but I've speed trolled it, you know, it can go seven. It doesn't blow out. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a really nice, but the action's different, obviously it's not the same, um, the cadence is so much different at seven. Mm-hmm. Most guys are are running them a little slower, but you know I don't I don't know all of the fishermen' speeds and and tempo that that is most effective. You know I didn't talk to Ben or Kevin. You know how they're running their their baits, and, and those guys are pretty dialed in. Sure. Speaking of just like off off the wall stuff, minnow baits in musky fishing are giant. Canadian, uh, you were talking about earlier the uh, the Rapalas, and you didn't use inches. Right, right. You, you said how, how how big it was in in something else. Why? What is a fifty inch fish inch? In Canadian terms, why, oh, why, do they, why do they, centimeters? yeah, like why do they, why is it 50, 50, 50 when Canada is in, you know, normal that's, that's centi- great, centimeters? That's a great question. 127. Um, you know, it's funny. We <laughs> When we build a house or when we measure stuff and I'm building a, my playground set in my backyard, I don't use meters or centimeters. When I talk about my height, I don't use meters or centimeters or, or kilograms for mass. Um, even as a school teacher, right? I teach elementary, I teach metric. Um, we do that all the time. And uh, we use, in, in layman's terms, right, when we're talking to our family and my kids about their mass, we're talking about pounds. We're not talking about kilograms. But uh, we do talk about kilometers, right? Yeah, um, that's, yeah. that's one thing we do. We don't talk about miles. We talk about kilometers, but that's how all our cars are too and our speed limits and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, when we talk muskies uh, and lengths, we talk inches. inches and we talk pounds, you know, but no, you know, unless you're going to, nobody really weighs them unless you're going to weigh it. I would say that, yeah, I would say that that is across the board. Uh, it's all inches and pounds. I caught a, we got a 50. We just got a 50. We got, just got a you forty got pounder, but one hundred and twenty-seven yeah. are... rolls off the tongue a lot easier. Is that yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> we just got a hundred. Do that, Matt. Like I can tell you, the people driving in Toronto, <laughs> the hundred uh, kilometers per hour. Uh, I believe that most of them think that is miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> in Toronto, for sure. Yeah. You're going yeah. 140, so the conversion is 1.6 kilometers for a mile. So you'd have to go 160 kilometers to go 100 miles. 
but, but, yeah, but most so, people in Toronto go like 140 to 145. So they're yeah, almost going 100 miles for sure. They're, yeah. they're pushing it. Yeah. yeah. They're getting up there. <laughs> but, um, I mean, in to be proper about it, it would be 127. You just got a 127. <laughs> you just got a 127, yeah. And, just and just bagged a buck 27. Pounds in a kilogram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well, sounds, you say 18, an 18 kilogram muskie, it doesn't sound very, very big. I'd say a 40 pounder sounds big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you were talking after your, uh, after the, the Minnow Bay. Um, and and people having success on these, you were getting into the J word, the join it. And I feel like all bar makers like go in, you know, they make a hard bait, uh, a straight bait, and then it's like jointed time. Um, And (laughs) it's a little bit more work and a little bit more difficult. What was your transition into this? Uh, join it. You know, it's it's like you're you're right. You you build a product, and it's almost like your 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 customers or the fishermen that are out there have everything else, and then they say, "You know what I really need? I need your your first join it, or I need your join it." And so it's kind of just becomes almost peer pressure because then and then of course as a bait builder who's built everything pretty much from scratch you're like i'm up for that challenge so there's a little bit of uh i bet i can do this but i don't want to just do it i want to do it and do it well because you don't now you got an expectation that your product is very good and so you don't want to just build a jointed bait that has a joint in it, but doesn't catch fish or isn't durable or whatever. So um, I think I built, I think I built my first jointed bait about three years ago, but it's like work, you know, like I would build one and I was like, Oh, that runs great. I build another one and it's running sideways and jumping out of the water. So then I build another one. And then it runs pretty good. And then the next one is bouncy and, and awful. So you just didn't, I didn't have the system down. You know, there are some inconsistencies though that you have to consider. So as a builder um, who is being asked by lots of customers to build things, you know, you start to feel that pressure. Like I only have so much time. I can't just constantly be building duds. So then you need to like meet your meet your customer base that you've created over the years and make sure that they have the straight products they want. So I kind of like do it in chunks, right? Build this jointed bait in chunks when I have time. I do have a system that's very good now, and I maybe have one in ten that is uh I'm not sure if I like the action on that, but before they leave my shop, you know, they're in the water, I'm casting them out, running them with hooks making sure that, you know, they're, they're to be expected. But anyway, that's just the process of, of bait building. You know, I remember we were talking earlier, Vance, and you were saying that uh, Andy is very particular 
and and likes to make sure that things go smoothly. Well, that's me in the shop, right? I'm a super particular guy mm-hmm. thinking things through all the time. So I'm like you, Andy. Very good. Um, but anyway. I think Vance year, was doing that as a slight um, to me, and you're treating it as a compliment. But I think that go I was complimenting you, Andy. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> you were, I think he was saying, Andy, that you're the glue that holds them together. No, I think he's the like, brain. Oh, he's just, he's such he, a pain. He's you know always after me, asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> is it? But speaking of asking questions, and Andy is the brains. I always say that he's he's the engineer behind uh, whatever Todd and I want. He will make as painstakingly as he makes it at some points. But um, when it's it's a weird idea of. And I'm sure all musky people feel, like feel this way, like, oh, I'm having success on the straight, and I'm catching a ton of fish on them, or the one fish that I need, and I'm having success on it. And then you go out and you ask the builder, like, you know what I really need is a jointed that I've not like, had success on ever, <laughs> but I'm just going to put so nobody's on your got a point. Fish on. Yeah, and, and make you make a jointed, even though I'm sending you fish pictures on the straight model. <laughs> But I know, but because you know, I only made it for the person who asked. You probably had success exactly, but uh, but it but it did pay off last year. Caught the biggest fish last year on that jointed model that I sent out. Got a fifty-three point seven five inch behemoth in the summer. So, you know, I was really happy with how that turned out, and you know, couldn't be more pleased that it happened on that model. And I got one last year that was 51 and a jointed. So they caught some uh, they caught some beauties last year. Even though honestly, I think there were six that I made. Well, that's a pretty good record, then. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I thought too. It, either once again, everybody got lucky, or it's a good product, or they're fishing the right spots. Well, now you have to make them. Right? I know. I, which, I which like, by the way, I'm going to place an order for 30 of them, and I need them next week. <laughs> I need them next week, yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything, yeah, anything totally new on the horizon that you're, you're playing with, or are you just saying that this is where I'm at and I'm, I'm going to stay in this comfort zone? You or know, you don't want to talk about them? I, hmm? I don't have anything in the hopper yet. Um, I have a 16-inch minnow, so let's let's paraphrase that, okay? Vance, it's a minnow, but it's 16 inches. Makes sense. So <laughs> it's just like a giant sucker that you would put out, you know, when you're fishing with live bait in late November if you're some of these guys. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a 16-inch minnow that doesn't. Um, it's been tested in, in the water. It's been run in the water. It runs great. And there's no reason why it's not going to catch fish. I can't wait to hear the fish that it catches, to be honest. Um, and I got to put I put a different lip in it. So it's got an extra wobble and swagger to it. So not many people have those. I've only made 10 this year, and I've sold six of them. So um, that's that's new. Um, but that was an easy expansion of my, my template, right. For my 12s and 14s. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I'm going to get my joinets going. I'm going to get a few more out there. Um, I have a contest every year to see who catches the biggest fish on my bait. Also, I have contests where guys send in fish pictures and then they qualify for free baits. Any bait that I make, I'll make for them. So um, it always generates some interest and gets me, you know, like the feedback that I want in terms of uh, getting pictures and, and hearing about stories and, and that kind of thing. So nothing new per se, but I'm always tinkering in the shop. So hopefully I come up with a new idea, um, but I don't have anything to speak of right now, Andy. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's a lot of, I mean, I mean, you say you, you don't have anything to speak of, but you actually, you, you kind of just did. I mean, you, you, you kind of do the evolution on certain things and then eventually you're going to get to the point to where you're like, all this trolling stuff is nice. Maybe I should do something for casting. And then next thing right. you know, you're going to have like 20 different bait lines and people are wanting a little bit of this and that. And then you're going to say, I have no time to fish anymore. And you got decisions to make and you know, I'm just I'm well, I'm looking well, at my feel, crystal ball I feel because like I'm there now. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> Roger Waters told me this from uh, H2O Tackle, it, you know, and I've told this story many times. I was talking to him. I made some molds for his uh, hardhead at work, and yeah. uh, you know, he's like, "Oh, so you know, bait business?" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, things are doing good." And he's like, "Yeah, you must not like fishing." And I'm like, "What? That's why I'm making baits." He goes, "Yeah, because you're not going to have any time to fish." So that that's that's advice from Roger Waters. <laughs> yeah, and and are you at that point Andy where you're not out on the water anymore? No. No, I mean <laughs> No, I mean like I said, I I I'm happy with the assist points and I like wiping the dust off my boat. So those are the two my two hobbies. <laughs> well, you got two two guys that know waters no, no, uh, Chautauqua Lake and local waters really well. You should just get in their boats. Yeah. Have you seen their books? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I heard. Okay. I've heard. Well, yeah. Uh, but uh, I think we need to make a jointed rafter. I already have. Todd. Really? Todd, do you remember that? Yeah. How terrible was that? That was uh it was a jointed I think it was a jointed eleven. I still have it somewhere. I think I know approximate what corner in the pole barn it's in. It's not by the blocked door advance, by the way. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, we I, I so, have it did not work. <laughs> now, can I ask you guys about your raptor line? Because I I don't have a raptor, but I do like dive and rise over glide baits. I don't use a lot of glide baits. I use, you know, twitch baits and I use blades and dive and rise. That's and and rubber. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm not using my own baits, so those are the three styles. So you guys make a raptor, it's a dive and rise. Correct? I, I would that's how we tend to classify it, but with a little bit of like not by the strictest definition rise, but yes. It's oh, more, is it more of like a suspended I could just yeah. sit. Nearly neutral down. buoyant. Nice. Okay. Perfect. Now, I know um, from what I've heard and seen that they are deadly effective on Chautauqua Lake. What makes them effective? Is it the neutral buoyancy, you think, 
is that what elicits the strike? The quick pull and it just sits there ready. Yeah, I mean, Vance, do you want to field this? Todd, do you want to field or do you want me to? I don't care who. No, I mean, I'll just say that, you know, it, it, it's easy to use. You pull a couple times, it stays. It does not float up on people. Anywhere I've gone where I've tried to fish the deeper weed edges, the first time that I took them up to Canada, I mean, uh, went out to that outside weed edge and it did the same as they do on Chautauqua. It's done the same everywhere I've gone. Uh, but it isn't a bait that you're going to throw in. You know, you don't throw them in in the weeds, thick weeds, all, you know, unless you're really playing with keeping your rod tip up. Yeah, they they, they tend to stay down is what Todd's powder. saying. Yeah, it, I mean, you're, it, how, it, it, how, how deep can they get with a bomb cast? Like if you cast it out, it's, you know, pretty far Can you and you work it back, they probably come down more so than if you just kind of sort of flipped them out, right? Yeah, I think you can keep them down there at a six-foot range real easy. At the eight, at, at our eight inch, the eight inch, yeah. yeah, yeah, the eight inch. And is that the one you like the best, the eight inch? It's what we levitate towards, uh, you know, for for people to use in the in the areas that we're fishing. Um, but they they're they've worked nationwide. You know, there's people that use them in Europe for big pike. We've gone up to Canada and and got them on them, uh, and and we have people, uh, consumers that have used them all over. They're just a nice sitting jerk bait for structure, wherever that might be in, in your area. To, to exp- well, we, I, I like using them a lot um, on those weed edges that you're talking about, right? But also on rock humps, because um, there's a lot of Canadian shield up here in Canada. And when you're, and you just want to be just over that rock hump and you want to just sort of, work and there's just such complicated rock hump structures up here in some of these lakes that we've had a lot of awesome success with those dive and rise or like pull and pause mm-hmm. kind of style especially when blades aren't going when blades aren't going and you know like i like to throw those and then maybe get into some rubber but um yeah that, I'm, that's something i'm gonna have to try yeah, sure. it's, a, it, it's certainly a bait that surprises people once they put it in the water, but it's that idea of going from trolling to casting and you're using one lure, even though you're doing that majority up on uh, in Canada. But when you cast it out and you pull it in and you're like, holy crap, you know, this thing's just sitting there and it's still deep at the boat side. You're like, has a lot of potential it's it's like an aha moment for the for that for that angler um it could be sneaky good oh yeah it'd just be sitting there and that muskie would just be ready to pounce on it i I can see the value in in it just being neutrally buoyant at three four feet below the water level at any moment it could be taken especially chautauqua like i was telling you vance earlier you know, we just didn't have the tools when we were there, and we'd have, like, this hot fight window. But once the fish vacated where we were fishing, we had no we had no chance. It was a long, it was a long hot day. We asked ourselves, why didn't we leave at 10 in the morning instead of 9 at night? <laughs> uh, I want to expand I feel a, that same way. I want to expand a little bit on the 8-inch uh, bait when you were asking about the uh, – that, that's – 
that size is our bread and butter. We offer a six inch, an eight inch, and a ten inch. And and the eight is you know it's a big enough profile that you know it's it's not intimidating, but it's also can be easily seen. Uh, you feel like you're still fishing for muskies. Um, and I've caught I've caught fish if in rivers. Uh, in Pennsylvania, our season never closes. So I've caught fish in rivers that if the water stopped moving, it would have frozen on the eight inch. And, you know, it works all the way up until, till you say it's too wow. hot to fish. Um, you know, the six inch, you know, that, that, that's more of like a, a little, little sweetheart of a bait. I, I tend to hand that off to some, maybe, uh, people that I know won't be able to, you know, pull a, a, a average size bait, um, you know, for too long, but then like the 10, it's, it's not nearly as popular as the eight because like the eight can do it all, but there is a little cult following on, on that 10 and the 10 does get a couple feet deeper on average. And, and it's, it's a, it's a big bait. I mean, I know you're like, you're making, you know, tens, 12s, 14s, 16s, uh, you know, but this, the, the 10 inch Raptor minnow. Join it. Hmm. You just change the name to the ten inch raptor minnow. There you go. When I when I make my twenty seven inch, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna so make the eight the... inches really popular because a lot of uh, you know like and this may be a bit of a blanket statement, but a lot of U.S. anglers ask me for smaller baits as well. Is it? Do you think that they have a tendency, like your your customer base has a tendency to just want? A smaller size bait. I'd say an eight inch is like the average. Um, at least, at least for us, I mean, there has been a tendency. What what we've noticed in the bait industry, you know, especially around here. And correct me, guys, if you think I'm wrong, to start going smaller. You know, a lot of four Absolutely. inch and five inch, six inch baits. Um, I've I've noticed a lot of crankbait makers building those smaller versions um, and offering them. I. I personally have avoided that because I don't want to go smaller. It's just too much work. Yeah. I, but you're right though. Demand is there. And and it, and it could just be like just overall wear and tear on the body and equipment. I mean, if, if you, you know, pulling a, a, a six inch bait at five miles an hour versus a, a 14 inch bait, you know, that there, there's going to be some harder stuff there. Or if you're casting a, you know, a pounder versus something that's, you know, six ounces. And, uh, you know, what, what, what's going to be easier on the shoulder at the end of the day? And is it really going to yeah. put a better yeah. fish or more fish in the boat? Who, no one knows that that's an unanswerable yeah. question. I think, I think well, eight like... in, inches in the musky industry is like right at, uh, right in the middle of like the perfect size. I think that's the perfect size for a musky. Um, it's a super comfortable bait all the time like nobody's going to be intimidated by that size either right so mm-hmm. from the beginning angler to the experienced angler right it's going to be something that's going to be in your tackle box and you're going to think it's a great tool spring to fall mm-hmm. pretty much um but yeah, i agree with you now now vance when you run your baits or todd when you guys run your baits um, are you guys using inline boards because those bigger baits do pull harder? Like, do you use like special clips on your inlines, or do you use big boards? Go ahead, Todd. 
No, I, I, when I, I just been running the the inline board. I just pick and choose what I'm putting on that board. You know, I, I tend to gravitate towards those smaller baits just because I don't put. I use my big pulling baits off the boat. You know, and uh, mm, yeah, I have found. You know, how many times do we get a <laughs> a giant fish in October, late October, on a tough shad off a board, which that's not the one they're supposed to hit, but it's a right. four inch bait you know, and that, that's what I use. I mean, you cannot put a legend perch bait on there or from what I've looked at your bait, I'm not going to run that on the inline board when you're trying to go four and a half miles an hour, it just pulls it way back. Right. It's right. Just too- it, it almost acts as a stern planer, if you will. It, that goes, it goes back so far. It goes back, which is okay. If you're running just like a couple baits, I've, I've dabbled in the bigger, boards bigger inlines and i don't like how they run it's just a per- personal preference for me i i think todd feels the same way with those mm-hmm. um for for the style of fishing i put big baits on those inline planers and staggered my spread off of the boat uh, accordingly to that because of how hard they're going to pull and i don't want them to pull say in my out rod that I have we'll just say like a hundred feet out on the out rod and I've put uh you know a hundred feet on a board it's gonna pull it so close to it uh because of if it's a bigger bait I'm I'm not going to do that. Um but I just I dislike the larger inline planers. I think our planers are like seven. Well, how big are those? I don't even know. Yeah, eight or nine, something like that. Like the medium one. And then when you get yeah. into, I mean, ideally, I'd be running the mass system and the big board like we do if you go to St. Clair. But, I, you know, I, I just don't do it with the chargers. I, you know, we have so many weeds in Chautauqua. We have so uh, much breaking down to get to go cast oh, yeah. quickly, you know. Yeah. Ready to troll, you ready you, to cast. That's how it is. Do you do you mix it up on your charters? You just let, let the customers kind of tell you what they want to do. You go from there. Well, it works both ways. I mean, some guys are like, I've had to, you know, you go in and say, how you been doing? Oh, we got 12 yesterday. Were you trolling? Yeah, I want to cast. Okay, let's go cast. But, you know, <laughs> other people will look at, other people say, well, let's go do that, you know, but that's the way some people are. So, and a lot of people are just like, let's go get fish. What, what do you want us to do? <laughs> and I'll be like, sit down and, uh, watch the, watch, watch me work these six rods <laughs> or some. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm or eight. Yeah. Or eight. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure trolling in the summer when that weed growth is kind of maximizing is, is challenge though. Oh my, yeah. Uh, that's our biggest challenge on the lake. There's no doubt. And it's a the challenge. Here's, here's the difference. You can fight through it. You know, I fished a lot of lakes up there around, around round lake and, you know, over towards, uh, uh, you know, all the, all the Kawartha lakes and stuff. And it can get very challenging there too. Those are weedy lakes, but you're running. They one are rod. right. You're running, you're running one rod a man. It's real. you know, sometimes it's like, almost like casting you know <laughs> hard to do well, when you're right sure and then there's these weed walls too you know like there's, there's yeah. nothing charted and you come yes. up on this like hump that's in the middle of nowhere and it's literally like 
weave yeah. right to the roof, right? So like your rod almost breaks out of the holder. Much more aggressive fishing the Canadian waters when I'm running that one pole than I am when I have a spread of six out and I know that I'm the one that has to clean them all. And, you know, we're down for a while and uh, you, know, you just tend to find, a, find, find clean water. But that's what I miss in Canada. You know, I miss that one rod go in and find those weed edges slam into them reel it in real quick get it back out you know learn it uh can't do that with the whole spread out you know oh yeah for sure yeah, that's one of the challenges uh i find with trolling like you said inline boards and spreads um which is why i like the fall right because then we can pick up and we can troll and weeds are gone and you can just troll wherever you want whenever you want kind of thing <laughs> Sometimes Chautauqua's a different bear with weeds. They're they're prevalent the whole time, even though we're we're looking forward to seeing those weeds season round. But over oh, them here in two days. Yeah. Lots we'll be in them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They'll be up, right? For sure. Oh yeah. They'll be up from that opener until until the end. Uh, we enjoy that. That's our casting. Nice. What's the biggest muskie you've ever gotten out of that lake between the two of you? Todd's not a, a giant. Yeah, he, yeah, yes, what was the big, biggest one? Yeah, we've got, what, 53s, 53 and a half, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 45 pounds was the biggest one that uh, I've voted. Todd's voted a one that was, what, 44? Yeah, on a raptor, yeah. yeah. Eight inch or oh, two. Oh wow, casting, that's great. Eight yeah. inch. Was now was that was that one of your customers or was that you personally? That that was that was a that was when we not long I mean, the raptors were around for a little bit, but I was fishing with a guy that had never fished for them before and and uh, I hooked I hooked that one. Yeah. Which I don't fish that often anymore at all. Unless I have one person, but uh yeah, I did I did get that one. Oh, that's awesome. That's still, that's great. Well, he, he probably celebrated just like you celebrated. You know, yes, we didn't well, know much difference. So it was I, uh, an exciting moment in the boat. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was, a, a you know, as big of a fish as I'd ever seen. So, <laughs> at, at, you know, 43, 44 pounds. Yeah. Well, we all, we when we catch them in the boat, we always call them our fish. Right? We call it boat fish. That's good. Don't worry. Nice work, guys. Boat fish. <laughs> sure. Until we get home, and then we tell them the real story. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's my fish. Remember? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, is there anything you want to kind of wrap this up on? We're we're approaching an hour and a half. That was oh, great. Sorry, sorry, guys. No, no, don't apologize. No, I'm just saying. Is there cool. anything else you want to hit on? You know, I just uh, I'd like to wish everyone a great season. Uh, and I'd like to thank everyone who, you know, contacts me and messages me and has questions regarding, uh, any of my baits or, or how to fish muskies. And, uh, I'd like to thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it was a pleasure. I had lots of fun and, uh, and I learned about you guys and your, your fishery and your products and, uh, looking forward to maybe getting on a boat and sharing some quality time on Chautauqua or maybe, a an adjacent lake in the future. Very nice. Thanks, and, guys, for your time. Yeah, and where can they find your uh, your stuff again? 
Uh, and lastly, yes, of course, uh, you, people can contact me through Messenger, um, but my stuff is on Facebook under BR Bates, that's my page, and on Instagram under BR Bates, and they can contact me anytime. I'd be more than happy to discuss uh, a bait that might work for them in the future and find the needs that they, sorry, um, and just make sure that they have the right tools for the job in the coming season. Excellent. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Quality, th- quality, yeah. quality. Thanks for coming on, and uh, I'm going to wrap this one up. Big thanks to Fat AZ Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, St. Croix Rods, Ranger Boats, Vix Marine, and Aqua Traction. And with that, everyone, uh, stay safe and good luck fishing.